And now a word from our sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Well, first of all, it's free. And who doesn't love free? There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And that way we can get closer to the bag. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you for listening. You know, that's woe. You never heard the word woe before, Black Rob. <laughs> Welcome back to the Ali Family Podcast, Episode 7. Thank you all for joining us, listening in. I feel like every time we shoot, there's always a new platform that we're introducing. So this week's new platform is iHeartRadio. Hey, iHeart, another level of being able to connect with people, just thinking about YouTube and the visuals as our home base, but expanding for the audio, always looking to highlight what's going on with the Black community or just what's going on in the community, but given a perspective from the lens of Black love and Black excellence. So that's always rooted in what we're talking about or the entrepreneurs, small business owners, influencers, content creators, YouTubers, anybody that's trying to really just connect and do more. We're looking to connect, collaborate, reach out to us, whether it's through the DMs or email, all that information is in the description. A lot of people are talking about the vaccine for COVID-19. Very polarizing. Let's get into it. Disclaimer, we are not telling anybody what to do or what not to do. We are just giving our opinion on it. And in addition to that, just some lessons on things that we can learn from it, just things that are beneficial for our overall health and well-being. So we're not saying to not take the vaccine and we're not telling you to take the vaccine. All we're saying is that it's important to know all areas of what's involved and also to make sure that we're trying to live the most healthy lifestyle that we can with either decision that we make. There's Johnson and Johnson, Pfizer and Moderna. So in no specific order, those are the three. People have mixed feelings on them for the people in our family or friends or just people that I've heard talk about it. I have heard a lot of excitement in the Pfizer one, right? Mm -hmm. For lack of better words, that's the, the golden ticket. Everyone's trying to get the Pfizer. But I've also heard really good things about Moderna. I think the only side effects that I've heard from both are just feeling a little lethargic. Which is the case with a lot of vaccines. Right. Yeah, so it's nothing specific to those vaccines. It's just vaccinations in general. You know, feeling maybe a little sore on their arms, a little tired. I know someone that's taken the Johnson & Johnson one, and they're fine. They're healthy. Nothing happened to them. They, they felt some pain for a day. Whichever one that you get does seem like the people that have gotten it, for the most part of what we can see right now, are still healthy. But I do know a lot of people that haven't taken it. Mm -hmm. And we're rooted deeply within the Black community. And that's a real conversation. Mm -hmm. Like I, I respect and understand people 
who say they don't want to take it. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts? There's no right answer. It's a decision that a lot of thought goes into. And I'm sure everyone, when they're making the decision, they trust that it's the right decision for them and their families. I think vaccinations in general have become rising within our community just because we have seen a history of our people, our bodies being experimented on. Right, Tuskegee is right. a popular experiment that a lot of people make reference to. Absolutely. Also, I think for some of us, there's hesitation around getting a vaccine and getting this one in particular. There are different concerns on on either end. And part of vaccine is that you're being injected with the, whatever vaccine it is, the, the virus that you're being vaccinated against, but that needs to occur so that your body builds some immunity against it. But, you know, I guess just the fact that you are being injected with a virus that everyone has taken to that with open arms. The key word you said there was trust. It really does come down to broken trust from the black community within the government and just the history because there's a lot of things that historically were ours and now have been corrupted for example vaccinations like the the origin of inoculations of the way that that process works it's african that comes from us but obviously it's not done the same way that it was done originally western medicine is different from holistic naturopath medicine plus the level of the trust i do understand the hesitation from the community even outside of vaccinations there's a lot of i'll just use the word conspiracy theories there's a lot of people that have conspiracy theories about all things related to the government and how those things affect us it's all a conspiracy theory until it's proven to be true so take that for what it is. And I think the people that talk about those different theories and how they connect, there could be some truth there and there might not be, but even if there isn't, people still have the right to have a thought that's different from the norm. That's literally what makes America, that's one of the founding principles on America is to be able to have free speech. So I think that that's extremely important. When we talked about people having the idea and the option of free will, you almost are seeing the opposite of that because people might not be telling you to go and get it, but they're telling you, hey, I just got mine mm -hmm. and I feel great. Mm -hmm. What about, you know, so mm -hmm. that might, that's not telling you to go and get it, but it's basically saying you should go and get it. Mm -hmm. It makes sense because we've all been sort of un under some level of lockdown for over a year now. And since like, I've, to use your term again, maybe in a different way, I've got my golden ticket. Like I can re-enter. We're all gonna be able to re-enter society soon. If we all get the golden ticket, I got mine and I feel great. What I would say for the people who are not getting it is to really just do the research and know those regulations because there are laws and regulations that protect each person's ability to operate within society. If you're one of the people who are not getting the vaccine, just make sure that you do your paperwork and your due diligence to make sure that you have those restrictions for, you know, whether it's your child's school or your workplace to make sure that you're able to still be a part of society as much as you want to, or as much as possible. I think there's people that are pro-vaxxers, there's people 
what's the term? Anti-vaxxer. Yeah, whatever side you're on is going to be the same with different types of vaccinations, whether it's the flu or COVID-19. So whatever side that you stand on, the one thing that we have hard evidence is that there are specific things that we should be doing to improve our immune system to make sure that we're at our full health. And those are some of the things that I do want to get more into because people talk a lot about self-care and reducing stress. And those things are important. The more stress that we internalize, the less that we take care of ourselves, make us more susceptible to illness and make us more susceptible to not being at our full health. So that's one thing. Have you heard of any type of immune boosters? Yeah, the ones that I hear about most often are getting more sun. Vitamin D. Vitamin D. For sure. Yes, and then also... Especially, I don't want to just gloss over that, especially as melanated people, as more melanated people, it's important that we get more vitamin D because our melanin naturally absorbs the vitamin D. So we need double the amount of vitamin D than most people get. It's like a thousand milligrams is the minimum of the amount of vitamin D that we should be getting. Mm -hmm. And then also the same types of foods that would help a person to have a strong immune system during cold and flu season, fruits and vegetables, vitamin C, garlic, herbs, herbs. Your tea, you mentioned tea? Tea. I know you're oh, a yes. big tea person, green tea, black tea, ginger lemon ginger tea that's our that's one of our household favorites yeah, yeah. green tea and mm -hmm. lemon ginger tea with the probiotics mm -hmm. berries are huge whether you're raspberries your blackberries antioxidants exactly mm -hmm. high level of vitamin c as well mm -hmm. vitamin c is a huge immune booster mm -hmm. as well fun fact raspberries are one of the highest valued vitamin c fruits mm -hmm. A lot of times people always think about lemon, they think about strawberries, but raspberries are actually at the top. I like a melody of berries. I like my raspberries. I like my blueberries. I try to mix those. You can get them frozen, whether you like smoothies, that's a good way to take it in. So you mentioned the teas, you mentioned vitamin C, the sunlight with vitamin D. One thing, that we both made a commitment to for New Year's to give up dairy. Mm -hmm. Some people really process dairy differently. For African Americans, we tend to become more lactose intolerant as we get older. I can't speak on other cultures, but I do know that a lot of us, after we get out of our 20s or even late 20s, but once you start to get out of those 20s, early 30s, a lot a lot of people find themselves to have more dairy sensitivity and, or more of a intolerance to dairy. And it affects people differently. The way that it affects me is more nasal, facial congestion, the same type of allergy symptoms that people typically experience with pollen. I have noticed that when this most recent allergy season came, my reaction to pollen has been better than it was when I was consuming a lot of dairy. So I can't notice that difference mm -hmm. for sure. And with me, I've noticed that uh, my menstrual cycles are less painful and not so uncontrollably heavy. It's sort of a spectrum in terms of 
what women can experience during their cycle. Some can be you know, very light, not very painful, and then others are at the opposite end. And with our dietary changes, I've noticed a big difference. I think people refer to that as being more plant-based. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that we had did in addition to the dairy. We haven't become full plant-based. We're pescatarian, but also without the dairy. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the exact word for that is, but I have noticed, at least with relation to the allergies, that it's been a different response for me this year. So that's something that I'm excited about, just seeing that change. And there's other things. There's superfoods, you know, that's always popular. Like what are those superfoods that really boost your immune system? At some points, maybe some were more controversial, but now they feel like they're less controversial. So things like sea moss is something that I think a lot of us really got introduced to through Dr. CB, just learning about the values of sea moss, the value of an electric food diet. These foods have a higher electrical charge for your body and keep your body in the best pH to kind of maintain health. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those foods are your fruits, they're your, your herbs, your vegetables, those type of foods. So those are also some foods that we've included in our diet more regularly this year. And like I said, I don't know if I've felt a difference yet or if I haven't felt a difference, but one thing that has been for me, at least is the allergy part for sure. Making a commitment to take my multivitamin daily, that's something that sometimes I do better with, sometimes I don't, but just doing that more often has felt good. No matter what decision you make, whether you choose to get the vaccine or not, having those things that also are good for the immune system, good for your health, are key to just maintaining the best health, feeling like the best version of yourself. Some people also experience with CBD oil. It's just the extracted oil of the um, plant. It's not, so a lot of times people think about CBD and they think about marijuana and they just try to lump it all in the same, but. CBD is the extracted oil from the plant mm -hmm. and it's not a drug, you know, there's no THC in it. It's literally just the oil from the plant. I can definitely say for a fact, when I take my CMOS more regularly, I feel better. Like I feel more energy. And there's sometimes where I, my, I break my routine and I just get off it. And then I just like, ah oh, man, like, it's gotta just try to remind myself to stay on it more often. I think that's a good reminder for everyone. Sometimes we get into routines where we just have to just get a reset or like a reminder to just get back into those health habits that, that make us feel good. Mm -hmm. Transition out of that topic. There's been more older music that I've been listening to, especially with the recent passing of artists. A lot more of their music has been skyrocketing, especially on Spotify and Apple Music, DMX's music, a lot of his songs had risen up in the charts. Mm -hmm. Slippin', the anthem, Party Up. Those ones I know for sure, I saw a big skyrocketing. So I know those have been these songs that I've been listening to more often over the past week. And hopefully that money that's coming in from those streams is able to go to his family and 
help them with what they're going through right now. When we found out about the news with DMX, we had also found out that one of his close friends, Black Rob, was also struggling with his health. Mm -hmm. A really cryptic video had came out of him in the hospital, just giving, paying his respects to DMX. And then he just passed away. So yeah, RIP to Black Rob. Mm -hmm. These different people are passing away. We really talked about last episode, it does feel like these things are happening more frequently even just to take it to social justice over the last week, it felt like every day of the week there was a different black person being shot by police. And I know it might not have been every day of the week, but it felt like every day of the week. Definitely feels more frequent of just incidents with black men and women in the police. So continue to do the things you need to maintain your physical health and your mental health, but specifically your mental health. And that that really is uh, heartfelt. Like we, we have to take care of our mental health right now because yeah. it's under attack from so many different ways. Mm -hmm. Definitely wanna just honor and, and have another moment of silence for Black Rob. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace, rest in paradise. Yes left a mark within the hip hop culture, within black culture. You know, that's woe. You never heard the word woe before black Rob. <laughs> For me, that was it, that word woe. And then I remember Diddy had like rebranded bad boy. That was like the rebrand new bad boy era where it was black Rob, it was G Dep, And that was like the, the new duo at that time. And they were, they had people saying, whoa, they had people Harlem shaking, get this money. You know, a lot of the families involved with people that have passed are not sharing that information about how the person passed. So anything that people say is speculatory. So we don't know, we still don't know how DMX passed. We don't know exactly the terms of how Black Rob passed, but just wanted to pay respect to those two men and just lift up the legacy that they made within the culture. We can switch gears. Uh, the HR 40 bill, ooh, ooh, it passed the first level of uh, approval to be explored additionally in the House and Senate. And that was led by Representative Sheila Jackson Lee. Big shout out to Sheila Jackson Lee. Yes. She channeled her ancestors. She channeled mm -hmm. whatever she needed to channel that, that night to really bring the information that she needed, redirect the conversation when it was getting off topic and really holding people accountable to the bill and to the importance of the bill. So if you're unfamiliar, HR 40 is the reparations bill. This bill is going to study the perspective of when America was started from slave labor. People always refer to the birth of America as 1776. So from the perspective of from 1776 to present day 2021, how did that affect us from our lineage? And people really have to do research. We know the check needs to be cut. So that's one thing. How much money needs to be sent to each descendant of 
enslaved Americans or American descendants of slavery, foundational black Americans, freedmen, how much money directly needs to be sent to each descendant, and even being able to make sure that the lineage is specific, that it only connects with the people who it's meant for. So that's part of the study. Then you also have the infrastructure of the systematic things within our community that connect to the opportunities for home ownership and what happened with the redlining, what happened with the 40 acres and a mule that were promised, what happened to our families that came back from war and were promised the GI Bill and things that they never received and didn't have access to, what happened to the wealth that wasn't able to be created due to people not being able to get social security when they had jobs or people that were freed and then worked to become freed and then had their land stolen from them from the money that they put in the bank. And then the bank saying that they went bankrupt and no longer had people's money and people's properties were stolen from them. Or the KKK who literally just wiped people out and killed them and then their property was taken from them. Plus Black Wall Streets that were all across America, not just Tulsa, but literally in a lot of different states in America, there were Black Wall Streets. And those were also bombed and ransacked by the KKK and the government. And really all of that is included in what has to be studied. And looking at what effects did that have on us from land ownership to the opportunities to get education. How do our HBCUs connect with this? What are the opportunities for people who wanna be able to work and have institutions specifically for us? So hospitals, grocery stores, industries such as utilities, whether it's gas, oil, electric, all of the things that people say, if we get our money, we'll still have to support white people's institutions because they have monopolies in these institutions and really just researching these different institutions and seeing what's owed from the level of regions, north, south, because there's a distinction there as well. So those are just, that's just part of it. We could go through the bill a lot more, but the next step that we have to do is wherever you're at, you want to contact your house representative, you want to contact your Senate representative. I normally don't plug our social media, but for this, I will. If you go to our Instagram or if you go to our Twitter, both which is under the name Ali Family ENT, you'll be able to find the information and instructions on how to contact your local reps to get more involved with the movement that's happening. We'll definitely give you that information and we'll link our Instagram and our Twitter in the description so that you can connect with that. We had a night of celebration and then now we're back to work. How did you feel when you found out that at least that first step happened? Very excited. Outside of recent years, like maybe this year and last year, I didn't imagine that the reparations bill would pass in my lifetime. Same here. We all kind of had a a clubhouse celebration <laughs> that night 
Um, some people had the good music going on throughout the day up until the point of when the decision was made. And I think similar to you, prior to last year when I found out about the HR 40 bill, it had been more of a social conversation, specifically from college up until this point. I know I mentioned before, but yeah, I went to a historically black college and a lot of our professors had talked about the work that they've done in the movement and were letting us know about reparations. And on the set, there was a t-shirt vendor who would always sell these different type of t-shirts. And there was a t-shirt that had, it said reparations and it was a picture of the, um, the famous picture of how we were transferred on the slave ships. And that was just part of it outlined. And it was just some other reasons that were listed on the shirt of why we should get it. So it's always been a social call to action of something that we've talked about. But as far as seeing the policy connected to it, this is the most encouraging that I feel. So everybody that I know, I'm telling them, get involved. It's time for us to get more involved with the policy. We wanna make sure that the right people that need to be a part of this study are a part of it. Dr. Claude Anderson has been leading this charge for so many years and I love his message. I love the books that he's written. He really needs to be one of the people that are a part of this. I know Dr. Sandy Darity is another person who's been leading a lot of the, the data, the research that have really just brought the, you know, just showing that wealth gap, you know, showing the, the way that African-Americans, freedmen, Black descendants of slavery, those are some people that I definitely want to make sure are a part of this study and officially become part of those members that are doing the research into the study. And it's encouraged, it's inspired me to want to do more digging to get the official documentation Mm -hmm. from my family. Like I know the stories. I know the, in college I had to do a family tree. So I know where it goes. I can point to the names, but now I want to really get that paperwork to show this is the part of my family that came from the slave ships into Virginia. And then this is also the part of my family that the slave ships came into South Carolina because it's both from both my mother and my father's side of the family. My father's side, they came in through Virginia and my mother's side, um, the lineage comes through the South Carolina. And really that's as far as we can trace, you know, just um, for different reasons. Some of the people that have lived passed away before we could get that information. So that's going to be my new journey of really trying to track and get as much documentation as possible. But it's exciting. It really is. It's always good to celebrate. We're jamming to some music. Mm -hmm. We had chances to really just connect with other people. And that's really something else that I've enjoyed is seeing that community of people that are of the same lineage finally starting to come together, not just for politics, but just to really have conversations about all of the different things that are affecting our families and really being able to navigate and identify our community more. Prior to last year, 
I had been somebody that didn't really think about, cause I know like, you know, we, we see so many of our people, you know, you see black people just from afar, you really don't always think about, you know, okay, like I just am under the assumption when I see another black person, I just think, okay, they're African-American, you know, they're black. They come from the same lineage and culture that I come from. But recently I'm learning a lot, <laughs> you know, I think not just recently, but over the last year, I've really learned a lot more about how small, I guess, you know, numbers wise, we really are. When you talk about the population of America, there's different statistics. Overall, I think we make up about 13 million out of the out of America's total population. That's not a lot. When you do the overall percentage, I think if you use that 13 million number, that puts us less than 15% of the population. It's really not a large amount. So just made me really try to find more of the people that are within that same lineage. And Clubhouse has been a great way to start to find some of those people. So I, I've appreciated Clubhouse for that point to, you know, find that tribe, as they say, and really just connect with more people that do connect with that same lineage. Getting to share the, all of the same type of feelings and excitement at the same time, that was fun for me. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed that. But yeah, we kind of talked a little bit about Clubhouse. I feel like there's a new wave coming right now. That's one thing that I've always been really good at is identifying what's new. Mm -hmm. And this goes all the way back to Black Planet. I've always been a really early adapter to things. So I remember Black Planet, College Club. College Club was before Facebook. I remember Facebook when it was only for people in college. Mm -hmm. I remember Twitter, YouTube, but never found the way to fully monetize or invest in. I wasn't thinking that way at that time. I was just, I was high school, college kid. Like I was just thinking about this is fun. This is a way to connect with other people. So I literally remember being in high school and hearing about these things and then getting into college and being able to create it because now I had a college email address that I could use. And it's just so funny of what something was then to see what it is now. And there's a new opportunity with fan base to really get in at that early stage where it's two years into its existence. And if you just think back, where was Twitter, Instagram, Facebook in their first two years is so different than the app and the experience that we have now. So I think that's really cool of just seeing fan base being created by a black man, Isaac Hayes III, who is the son of Isaac Hayes. He is doing a lot in the tech space. He's really creating a platform. People say, how do you explain fan base? I say, it's like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and it's like Clubhouse all in one. And it's really cool. If you're on fan base in, in the comments, write down your name on fan base, we'll look you up. We're the Ali Family Podcast on Fanbase, so if you're on there, check us out. We'll follow you back. But yeah, definitely type your name in the comments if you're on there. The cool thing, in addition to just joining it, is really just trying to understand what's causing all of the buzz. I think it's great that we have a Black-created app 
and it's really cool that it has all these components of it's similar to a lot of different platforms that people already use and enjoy we talked a couple pods ago about like black people coming in making things pop in and then boom it belongs to someone else but now this is ours we have some ownership of it you know that's a fact i feel like we bought the house and we're not just renting anymore that's a fact way. yeah so it's very exciting even on a higher level of just being involved in it there is an opportunity to invest in it as well but even before the investment opportunity it's also in a monetized app mm. let me say that again it's a monetized app <laughs> <laughs> which is extremely different you come in from day one and are able to monetize your images your content whatever type of content that you want to put there that you might be sharing on instagram or that you might be sharing on facebook on this platform people have the opportunity to love it and for each love that you get you get money um, and those loves add up we probably have 30 cents so far 30 cents isn't a lot but it's 30 more cents than we've gotten from any other platform i think it's really cool of just like that thought process of bringing people in off day one and just giving you access to monetization and then also giving you access to invest in the app and make money once it goes public and becomes an ipo like a, a publicly traded company on the stock market which other people have been doing and crushing it for example nas coinbase right right it's funny the same similar name coinbase fanbase but coinbase went public and nas had made a pretty large investment into the company just came out and made over 100 million dollars when it went public in one day mm -hmm. so you have to really think about that just having these opportunities to invest in a company at its early state and seeing what that could become like we're not saying it's going to become that but it's nice to be able to have that opportunity and just see what it can become so i'm excited on that in addition to being a part of fanbase we're also investors in fanbase it's really a cool app a lot of the things if you're a youtuber you can put your youtube content on fan base and link it so that it's another way that people can find your content there's also ways that you can do subscription type based content so in addition to getting loves people can subscribe to your channel and also get information about what you're doing that way so it's an addition to what you're already doing um i don't look at it as an either or i'm not that kind of person i always believe in collaboration and adding on so whatever you're already doing, just think about Fanbase as an additional way to highlight the content that you have and to introduce yourself to a whole new crowd of people that are early adapters and people that are creators and looking at other creators and trying to find things to connect with that really feed what they're connected with. So check it out, we'll definitely check you out as well. Going to more about Coinbase, Cryptocurrency is really becoming so much in the news, whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, those are your staples. That's like your Apples and Microsofts of cryptocurrency. So those are always in the news. They're usually going up, going really up, or just kind of correcting themselves and coming back down. But both, you know, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum are projected to continue to 
increase in their value, you know, as time goes on, like any investment, there's always risk, but they've been proven over the last five years that they've, it's been a slow build, but people are starting to see a return on their investment now. And Coinbase, you know, we just mentioned Nas's Queensbridge Ventures company had just made over a hundred million from their investment into Coinbase. Coinbase is the main wallet that people use, seen as like the easiest wallet to operate, a wallet that a lot of people currently prefer because of it's easy to transfer your money to the coin that you want to use. And it going public has made a lot of people money. The first day it opened, 250 was that introduction point and it has doubled within that day. It went as high as 500. So you just think about that, however much you had already put in and just saw it double in, in that in one day, you can imagine, you know, some people were just doing day trading and got in and got out at the right time. People made a lot of money off of Coinbase in just one day. I'm more of a long-term person. We have some Coinbase. We're holding on to it. We got in at the right time, so the price was right. And we'll see where it goes. Obviously, you know, we can't tell anybody what to do. We can't tell anyone what to invest in. We're not investors by profession. It's worth looking into if it's something that you haven't heard of already. Coinbase's stock symbol is actually coin. <laughs> so that's going to bring a whole new term to when people talk about getting your coins. Right? You got to get those coins. It's really been a lot in the news. Like even kind of jokes that were supposed to be jokes like Doge, Doge, Doge. Dogecoin, like that started off as a joke by Elon Musk. Like he just put out a tweet and it wasn't even a real coin. Like it was something that was fake. And a lot of people have invested in it. And all, <laughs> it's wild. A lot of people have made money from Dogecoin. Like it's going up to a dollar is like the new craze that everyone's talking about. And once it gets to a dollar, then there's people that are trying to just like project how much it's going to go but if you put oh if you bought a lot of it when it was a little and you still had a lot now that it's up you saw that return so i've stayed so far away from it i don't i don't trust anything that doesn't have a long-term projection so i've just been watching for entertainment people say to the moon <laughs> or like hold the line like those are those have become some funny Dogecoin jokes, but yeah, it's it's definitely to the moon right now. But I'm, I've I've stayed away. I've just been watching and being entertained, and playing it more safe. So we've gotten involved more on the side of ETFs. So you've always been a fan of ETFs. It's really a way to invest in something that you're interested in, but also have that industry safety of not just being one stock specific. So there is a Bitcoin exchange traded fund ETF that we're invested in and that's been doing well for us. So it really is just a combination of all of the different Bitcoins and as they go up, ETF also goes up. It reflects the changes, but it's less volatile because it's not just one of those. So if one goes up and then goes down, you lose everything. Yeah. <laughs> But with this, you have about five different ones. So five different ones are doing different things at every time. So they're not all going up and down at the same time. So we've, we've seen some good 
returns coming from that as well. So always think about have exchange traded funds as a part of a well-balanced portfolio. That's a must. There have been more celebrities and artists that are getting into this space as well. Hill Harper recently has done something within the cryptocurrency space. He has a new crypto wallet, um, but he's a black man. He's doing this specifically for black and brown people. It's who he's trying to outreach to, and it's called the Black Wall Street app. Like we mentioned, it's a digital wallet, and he's currently going on tour around the country to some of the same locations and states that had actual Black Wall Streets in them to teach kids more about financial literacy and to teach kids more about this space because Bitcoin, blockchain, crypto, it's all really new within like the scope of the last five to seven years. It didn't really exist before then. So a lot of young people are learning very fast and getting very involved. So I love the fact that he's also connecting the education to the way that he's rolling it out. The end of March, he was in Tulsa and he's still going on to other cities and states to teach kids and their families as well more about Bitcoin, more about all different types of crypto. I think that's awesome. I need to jump on the waves and learn about it. I don't want to be in five years to say, you know, all you young people on this Bitcoin <laughs> or whatever. I want to, <laughs> I want to know a lot about it too. Yeah. So I have to do my research. We're invested. We're definitely we invested. And it changes so fast. That's the thing. A year ago, nobody knew what an NFT was. It literally changes so fast. There's always research to be done. More to learn. That's on the more controversial side of things. It seems like it's been an attack on Black women really consistently over the last... I don't even know how long. I don't know if it ever stopped. Maybe we're just starting to become more aware of it. There's certain things that you just become more aware of and you don't really realize how long it's been happening. Maybe we're now just starting to hear black women more now. So you're a black woman. I don't know. What do you feel when you hear the term about, you know, protecting black women and how the black woman is the most disrespected and unprotected woman? Like, what are some of those thoughts for you? Like, what do you think? When I hear that, I think people are referring to the relationships that Black women have with Black men and vice versa. And the, you know, the romantic relationships that we have with each other. And there's at least a perception that there are fewer relationships, romantic relationships between Black women and Black men than there are with people in other races. What aspect of the media do you think you see it the most through? Like whether it's like movies, music, social media? Well, I guess music videos for many years, um, a lot of them per portrayed black women and black men in a negative light. Like black men were criminals who didn't really care about black women that they were involved with that they, their value wasn't that high. They're just, you know, these expletives <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, and I can have this sexual transaction with multiple black women. They're disposable, sort of. So I think that's been in the media for decades. When you put it like that, it really isn't new. Sadly, mm -hmm. 
It's not black people having to defend ourselves and say, okay, there are these pictures in the media, but that doesn't represent all of us or even most of us. Sometimes just someone's first interaction or the majority of interaction they have with seeing a black body on the screen and not really in real life. It also seems like people have more access to black culture than they do other cultures. They're able to insert themselves more often in black culture. Example, if you're in a professional setting, someone feeling like they're relating to you in like a black slang term, if I were to, to do that, relate to someone in a slang term within their culture would be inappropriate and totally weird. Things like that goes on so often where people might approach you, they feel like they have the access to you, to interact with you, try to touch your hair or make comments about your hair. You speak well. Very articulate. That's a, a buzzword. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of people feel like they have access to Black Americans. Oh, we can dip and dabble in their culture. Oh, I can, you know, interact with her like she's my best friend. The cultural appropriation is real. You were just talking about the music. It makes me think about how much the music influenced our thought process when we were growing up. Me and my friends in high school, we were really immersed within the hip hop culture. The words that were being said were like the soundtrack to our days, like not to the point of acting anything out because I, I had a foundation where I understood what my reality was, but there were people that took those words and acted them out in their treatment and their disrespect of women who didn't have a father figure and didn't have a positive male role model looked at those hip hop artists as that father figure and whatever their favorite artist was saying is what they believed they had to do in order to be cool or to get the popularity or the notoriety that they wanted. That's part of the problem. I think there's a lot of parts of the problem. Systematic racism white supremacy, post-traumatic slave disorder. Those are all things that are equally as part of the problem. But I do think when it comes to black men, we do have to take responsibility in the role that we play because we have to hold ourselves accountable and we have to think the things that we're saying, the things that we're doing, people are observing from locally around us, but also globally around the country. We are the culture of cool. Like what we do, other people think is cool and think that's what they should be doing or that's what they need to do to assimilate into blackness. And non-black people call black women the B word or non-black people use the N word. And they think, oh, that's cool. Like that's what we do to assimilate within the other culture. And it's not like, I want to smack people when I hear them say the N word or the B word to address a woman or just to address another man or just to address themselves. That's what trips me out. I've seen Asians, I've seen Hispanics call I've them seen white people. White, call themselves white yeah, N -word. white people call themselves N words. Yeah. Or call me an N word. That woman was about to get a fist through her windshield, but okay. So it's not all good all around the world. The music. Our movies, our entertainment, it does give people a feeling to think that they can say it and be a part of it. Because let's be real, they're the biggest consumers of it. Like we're not mm -hmm. the largest consumers of 
the music, the largest consumers of entertainment, it's not, it's not black people. Like this is data that's shown that there's been shown to be a business model of disrespecting black women, like you mentioned, within the music, within the movies, and people think that they can not only not only be wrong to just do it, but adding a whole other level of wrong onto it from the exploitation perspective of making money from it. So that's where it's become extremely problematic. And there is a handful of people, some of the more popular people that have done it, you know, people always talk about Steve Harvey and, you know, the books that he's made, Tyler Perry, the movies that he's made. Let's just call it out. They become extremely rich from that level of exploitation of women, of black women specifically. Just the story within the black community that paints both the black man and the black woman and not their best sight. Like they're always, there's a struggle, there's something that's wrong and one- Huge character flaw. Right. More recently, people like Derek Jackson and Kevin Samuels mm -hmm. become a modern version of, of those people being called out for different reasons. Derek Jackson, what would you call that? His platform was, he painted himself as sort of the perfect man and he really focused on uplifting black women he had a YouTube channel rocketed towards black women and he would do commentary on their particular relationship woe and it was always this guy is in the wrong you are the, the prize you are the queen and it turns out he didn't treat his wife like a queen stepping out on his wife with several different people huge cheater <laughs> I am familiar I have seen his content but then I guess more recently it's been Kevin, Kevin Samuels Kevin Samuels yeah whose content I hadn't seen before there was a big uproar he really just found out about it from the Joe Biden podcast mm -hmm. and that gave him a platform to really talk about himself his show what he does mm -hmm. that has set a lot of fires that are not out yet. I don't know exactly when, but when people refer to hip hop, four to five decades of the blatant disrespect of black women and it coming from black men and black men not being the ones to speak up on behalf of black women publicly has opened it up that people feel that they can talk down to black women publicly because that void is there and who are the people that are the most disrespected and the most unprotected as that saying by malcolm x they do say that is the black woman there might be some truth there because if it wasn't true if the black woman was protected none of these people would be able to profit from explaining them not even just these people there's whole entire industries that are based off of profiting off of black women. That's like a whole other conversation and a whole other episode, but it's not just these men. Like a lot of industries target black women as their intended consumer. And it's very strategic and it's very specific. And it's also problematic, but we're gonna keep it on these individuals. What did you think about the interview? The interview was my first introduction to Kevin Samuels and his ideals and the way that he interacts with the people who call into his show. He is an image consultant 
He says that the majority of people that call into his show are women looking for what he describes as a high value man. And that's a man who makes six figures and has a certain look about him who's like classically handsome, stuff like that. He says that he consults these women, women about, okay, well, you want this type of man. Are you the type of woman that that type of man wants? And he's saying more often than not, they're, they're not. And so he consults them and he gives them advice on what to do to become that type of woman. For and it's from his perspective. From his perspective. So um, he certainly has ideals about body weight. He's a black man, but it feels like it's coming from a European perspective. The images that he's describing and the things that he's talking about it doesn't feel like it's coming from the culture. Like it doesn't feel like it's coming from a black African perspective. Like it sounds very Eurocentric. But I just want to say that because when you're talking about beauty or weight and these things, it's not even from the point of like things that match what we like. After watching the interview, I did look back on his show to see exactly how he's interacted with some of the callers. So he also talks about submission within a relationship or within a marriage where a woman ultimately submits to her, her husband and he ultimately is has the last word or is, is the leader um, in the family of the relationship. So he's saying black women that he interacts with don't want to play that role. That's not really their personality. He always refers to them as modern women. Mm -hmm. I hear him say that a lot. Look at it, a lot of his Instagram always says like the modern woman. He juxtaposes that with, he mentions like women from the 70s a lot, black women from the 70s who didn't weigh as much overall and had more opposite of modern women's personality. Gives women ratings on their appearance without makeup can be rated from one to a 10. Which is so problematic. <laughs> it's so problematic as it is to try to rate a person on a numerical scale. Mm -hmm. It's problematic. Let's be honest. I just kind of always bring it back to like our culture. What I heard growing up, the most you might have said about somebody is, oh, is she a 10? Or back in the day was, oh, she's a dime. Anybody that sits and rates somebody and breaks their appearance down on a numerical scale that there's no basis out of to begin with and also on top of that is coming from the scope of a eurocentric point of beauty it's just so problematic on so many levels and he's dead serious literally scientifically looking up and down at this woman like a slave back in the day that's how they rated us they would look at us and based off of our appearances would rate us he just got introduced to him so i can't say that i've watched all of this stuff but from what I saw, it's, it's problematic. I just went up on a tangent. I think that's his stance. I'm going to tell you the real, the stuff that guys talk about amongst themselves behind the scenes, whether it's joke or not. That's probably how they really feel. And if you want this certain type of guy, this is the type of woman that he wants. Be honest with yourself. He asks people to rate themselves first and then he gives them the rating according to him. He tells them what they, can work on to bring their rating up and to be more desirable to the type of man that they desire. It's tough love. He says he's doing right. this because he does love black people. He wants to see more black he's, relationships thrive. And he's saying it's the women that are calling him to him, right? asking for his opinion. Mm -hmm. So he's not just going out, walking down the street, 
pointed to a random woman. These women are calling into him, asking him for his opinion. Mm -hmm. It's his opinion. And to be fair, he does throw out statistics, throw out data quite often. Data. Conflated data. He is a data conflator. <laughs> <laughs> he is a habitual data conflator. Man, I have to coin that term. But no, he is because it almost tricked me. I watched the interview with Joe Budden and then I watched two clips from his Instagram and the conflated data almost got me. Like, yeah, you know, well, the black family is not the unit that it used to be. Yes, that's true. And then he might say something like, black women do tend to be the more educated or have the most access to education and more hired in the workplaces, which is all true. Like he's giving facts, but these aren't his facts. Like this is, this is data that's out there. This is data that has already been proven. It's definitely deceitful because people will give you some of the truth, but then they'll give you the non-based fact truth but because you heard some data and some facts, you think, okay, this person's coming from a place of logic or a place of something that's gonna help me. That's the part that almost pulled me in. He did drop some real data, but then his delivery, the method on which he operates, the advice on which he gives, it's not accurate. If we're talking net worth or if we're talking morals and values, mm -hmm. I consider myself to be a high value man. There are some parts that are true. So I'll say this, for me, there were some things that were important, but it was also not exclusive to the point where I couldn't see past the woman. There are things that we might have set for a standard. This is my ideal of what I want. But then obviously you get to know somebody and then based off what that person brings to the table, you see where you can go with that person and which you all can build together. Before we were married, I dated women with children and I dated women without children. And obviously it's a different experience, but if you consider yourself to be a high value man and a man who wants to build something with a black woman, that's not gonna be something that you look at and say, I'm not gonna deal with her because of that. Is it something that you might have to work through and figure out how this is gonna work? Absolutely. That's a whole new conversation. You have to figure out how you can do the things that you wanna do that work best. There's no monolith that says, this is the only way that you do things. And I think that's really the problem when you really get down to it, is he tries to describe things in a way that is a monolith. Giving this advice of this is what these high value men want based off of his clients, his experience. My stance is that he doesn't have enough data to, to say what he's saying, just kind of bringing it back to our definition. We have to be able to identify those values that we are important to us and what is important and what's not important and what we consider to be high value. I can say the things that he says that are true is he does have statistics that do talk about the black family how marriage rates within the black families are lower compared to other communities. But there's so many levels of systematic racism that's also attached to that. It's not just a finger to point at a black woman. It's like, you know, fingers are pointing this way. Fingers are being pointed at black men for accountability. 
fingers that being pointed at black women for accountability, but it has to be done together. And I guess if I'm really just ironing out my main problem with them is that he's capitalizing off of this and he's also putting it on a platform that's not giving black men and black women a chance to have these conversations together. So it's just putting out this polarizing clip or video and then the black women go and talk about it and the black men go and talk about it. And when we try to come in together and talk about it, we're already at a disconnect or we're already speaking a different language and you never seem to come together with those conversations to the point where both parties leave saying, okay, we've talked about this, we've come to a conclusion. Now this is how we're gonna move forward and this is how we're gonna work together going forward. I feel extremely blessed that for us, we had the things that were important to us. Church for us was huge, not just the physical church, but spirit, religion, our Christian values, spirituality. Submitting your will to God has always been an extremely important prayer. And that's something that like as a man, if you can't submit your will to God, and then you can't also submit to your marriage, then you can't talk and expect the woman to submit to you. It's not going to add up. And I think that's something that a lot of these men hear him talk about and say, oh, the black woman has a problem with submission and just that term. But it's not, he's not coming at it from the perspective of when you're talking about God and when you're talking about the man's ability to submit to a higher power and also to submit to that union. And then it just it becomes problematic from that perspective mm -hmm. and from other perspectives. But that for me was one thing. And then, yeah, it's on, he's getting paid for this. This is entertainment. This is monetization. The interview that he was on was basically a whole marketing campaign to get more people to go and watch his stuff, which worked mm -hmm. because we went and watched it and never seen it before. So his views are going up. He's over here laughing himself to the bank. Mm -hmm. He might not even believe this stuff, but he's monetizing off of it. And it's doing nothing but just bringing more problems within the so-called black community that he's trying to help uplift, which is even more problematic. So there's a lot of levels of problematicness. And for me, I can't just be one of those people that just hear it and don't say anything. We owe it to the platform that we're building to speak on it and say that we're not okay with it. We're always thinking about what type of guest that we would wanna have once we get to that point of having guests on the podcast. We have to stick to those values that you have. It has to be aligned with what you believe in. The publicity and the marketing, it's not worth it if it hurts your brand and ultimately makes you lose respect within the community that you're trying to help and reach. We're not here for the disrespect of black women. We support, we love black women. This is a <laughs> platform that highlights black love. You have to have that as a foundation of bringing that communication. If anything, I would like to see some type of show where it's coming from a married couple's perspective, mm -hmm. like us right for our brand and for what we're trying to build you have some questions for us about love questions we can share some insights with you it can shape 
future videos that we do to talk some more about questions that you might have. We are not image consultants. Uh, <laughs> we, are we are not a real life yeah. black married couple. Yeah, we, we do have some expertise that we can offer and we won't do it publicly and we won't do it in a way that's disrespectful. Just trying to think of what we can do to help a problem, not what can we do to just talk about it and be a, just another person talking about it, but we really are trying to help and be beneficial. If it's a question that you have, you can put it in a DM directly to us, email, and we'll definitely reach back and give some context around what those questions might be. We'll definitely do a future video and podcast with some more love advice that also shares more about Black love. If this is your first time checking us out, uh, make sure that you like and subscribe. Also hit the notification so that you can be notified on when our videos come. And also if you're listening to us on a streaming platform, hit the follow and subscribe as well so that you can be notified when our new episode comes out. We always are looking for opportunities to connect with others. So if you're you know, business, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're just somebody that wants to reach out, definitely feel free to. This has been episode seven of the Ali Family Podcast. Thank you for watching. Stay blessed.